0: Uh, If you can turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1, I'd like to talk a little bit about something that um, in the season to come we will be talking more of and that has to do with our life in the body of Christ and the church. But let's look at Ephesians chapter 1 and uh, we'll read it from verse 18. Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of this his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us, or to usward, in some translations, who believe. The greatness of his power towards us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ To, um, 21 onwards, far above all rule and, and authority, Jesus has been raised up, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the, age, in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. Gave him as head over all things in the church. The, the, the point that Paul is making is this, that Christ not only himself in his own personal self was raised from the dead, he did not only raise individuals like us so that we can enjoy the good of his uh, resurrection, but his power, his authority has its center, its place of action, so to speak, in the church. It says here, he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. To the church. That's an amazing thing. We are used to think of thinking about applying the goodness of God and the Word of God into our own individual lives. But uh, what we see in, in, um, in the whole book of Ephesians, which is actually addressed to the church, to us, as a corporate, uh, multiple uh, entity, uh, com- as, as a communion of saints, what he, has, what he has is this, that the will of God, the calling of God, is upon the church. Not just as individuals. I almost want to say not as individuals. But that's not true because in so far as we are part of the, the body of Christ, the calling of God is more intensified in us. And so there's something about the body of Christ that's more than just a clubby kind of thing. More than a society of uh, for mutual benefit. There's something, I want to sometimes say mystical, but something... Miraculous, something supernatural, a body of Christ. And if we don't understand that, we will actually misconstrue church. We will misconstrue church and we will not be able to help thinking of our spiritual life in our own individual calling terms. Yeah? And so I'd like to talk about this for the next several months and to talk about how the church of God is the place in which He's going to fulfill His calling and His, and his ministry upon, upon your life. But before that, I need to tell you a little bit of a story um, about this pen. You see it? I've asked Daniel to zoom in on it so that those who are on Zoom can see it. Can you see my pen? Amazing, right? My three brothers, all three of us, use fountain pens. We're dinosaurs. But this pen has a name. We'll call it, whoops, Captain America. As you can see, it's a cap. It's not actually a pen. It is not a pen. It is a cap. So this cap, this this pen, is beautiful, isn't it? It's uh, it's got gold on the front, and uh, gold trim, and you know, metallic red, and all that. Yeah. I won't give it to you. It was given to me, so I have to hold on to it. But this pen, this cap has a story. This cap never knew that it was a pen. It was by itself. It went around the world looking for its meaning in life, looking for its call, so to speak. All he knew was that it was a cap. So every time he looked at itself, he says, I'm a cap. My calling is to cap things. So whenever I saw people spending money, he would cap, put a cap on money he spent. When he went to stop, saw people talking too long, he would put a cap on it. And whenever he looked for things that seemed to be exposed, he would try to cap it. Of course, he was limited because of the fact that he had limited size. But he tried to find his calling based upon what he knew of himself. Does that make sense? And so he went around the world capping things. And then he found that there were many things he couldn't cap. So because of his diminutive size, he thought, well, if I look at myself, I I can be filled up with water as well. I can do things. So he filled himself up and he found that so he could make himself useful uh, by being filled up with water or f- with any kind of liquid, and he would pour it. But a lot of times, he will also find that he was too small to do much. Yeah, to do much. He could water insects, I guess, and really little, little, small organisms. But never really fully found his ca- his calling. Sometimes he looked very impressive when he with some people. And people will be deceived to thinking that he was more than what he was. They thought he was a pen. In a sense he was, but he never really really fulfilled his calling until he found this. He, by himself, had no meaning, actually. If he looked at himself, at his calling, based upon what he saw of himself, He would miss the point completely. And what he had was a calling to write amazing books. (laughs) If only. And he would make an impact upon the world, (laughs) hopefully, just by being joined to this. He was never fulfilled until he was joined with the real pen. Does it make sense? It's silly. Okay, I know it's, I know it's silly. But I was so inspired by, by it one day. And sometimes you get inspired one moment and the, next, and the next moment you think, why am I so inspired by, by something so silly as this? But anyway, I thought I'd share it before that day comes. And so, Cap, we call him Captain America, found his calling not in himself, but in being joined to the body of this pen. I wonder whether this rings a bell for us because there's a way in which all that Christ has done really never really gets fulfilled by us as individuals. It can only be fulfilled in the body. And so what we are wanting to do in the next few weeks or months is to talk about how Christ's will can be fulfilled through you and me in the church, in the body of Christ. Because the will of God and the calling of God is not really focused upon our own individual selves. I know we talk a lot lot about our calling in our church, but I I wonder whether it's better for us to talk about the fact that God has called the church, and the church is called we saw this in Ephesians chapter, chapter 1, that it is in his church that he wants to exercise his authority. He wants to exercise miracles. He wants to exercise his high priestly uh, um, um, calling. He wants to use each one of us in signs and wonders, in bringing people to Christ, in discipling people, in manifesting the fullness of his beauty and his, his uh, desire for this world. He wants to do it through a body. He can never just do it in, in, as individuals it's just never not never going to be enough it'll be just like this cap that's looks some, sometimes pretty ridiculous um so i want to put it to you that actually what god has for us is something that is much greater let's let's talk about this i'm going to read this again and hopefully this will mean more verse 18 i pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints so he's talking about calling the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the, in the saints and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe towards us notice it's us not just you in, in the in the in the individual singular or the multiple you either these are in accordance with the working of the strength of His might which He brought about in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him on His right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. and Every name that is named, not only in this age but in the age is the one to come. And He put all things in subjection under His feet and gave Him as head over all things to the church which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. The fullness of Christ's um, uh, purpose will be fulfilled by the church, never by each one of, his, of us as individuals. That's, a, that's an amazing thing. Now, I think that in order for us to understand this, we need to be able to have a very different mindset in order for us to understand our, our important place in the church. Because church is not like a clubby thing, in which it's a, a place of people with like-mindedness. It is something that is mystical, it is, is spiritual, it is powerful, it is of God, it is of the essence of God. It flows out of God. And in order for us to understand that, sometimes our whole idea of how we relate to one another and how the church functions has to be changed in order for it to be in keeping with what God, wants, God, what God does. Turn with me to chapter 2 then. Uh, let's look at this from chapter 2. Verse 11, Therefore remember, remember formerly you Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision which is performed in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you have formerly who are far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That is an amazing thing. What he's saying is this, in order for us to be in the body of Christ, we have to understand that we were formerly Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision, by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh. We were separate from Christ and excluded. What he's saying is this, there is a way in which we were so separate from the commonwealth of Israel, the Jews, that basically, in the, in the understanding of the Old Testament, there were only two races. Okay? There were only two races. Jews and non-Jews, circumcised and uncircumcised, excluded and non-excluded, those who are included in the household of Israel and everybody else. And what Paul is basically saying is that something radical took place in which we were included in the people of God, but more than that, it was not that we got joined with the people of Israel, it's actually that that whole category of Israel and non-Israel was broken. You have to understand that on the cross, God broke down the categories that separated Jews and non-Jews. He did not just say, okay, I'm going to incorporate you into this. He actually, by the cross, destroyed these categories. He destroyed you and me. He destroyed your life and my life so much so that only by death could we, death to who we were in the flesh, could we enter into the commonwealth of the, the, the life of God and become new people. That is more radical than we, are, we can imagine. It is more radical than the church being a place in which we are diverse. It's more radical than that. It's a ch- the church is, is more than just a diverse group of people who've joined a, a club. What has happened is this. The entry into the body of Christ came because of Christ's death on the cross. When He died on the cross, His death was imposed upon me, is given to me. I died with Him, together with my Jewishness or non-Jewishness. I died in Him in such a way that I have no identity other than Christ. Isn't that amazing? That means that we are joined together, not because we have affinities with one another, or because we have the same kind of looks or they have the same color or we have the same interests or we have the same background or we come from the same nation, uh, from the same nation. but because of that of, of, of because of something that was far more profound than that and that is christ on the on the death or by his death on the cross destroyed sin in the flesh he destroyed who we were he destroyed our identity as we were before and made us one in him therefore what christ has done is Let's have a look at this. Verse 14, For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. By abolishing in his flesh, okay, by abolishing in his flesh, the enmity, which is the law of commandments, contained in ordinances, so that in himself, he make, make the two into one new person. Or one new man. What this means is this. God did not create a hodgepodge of different diverse elements he made one a radically one race born of the spirit death to the died to the old life, old, old person so much so that you and i can experience a oneness that is different than just oneness because we are like each other or we look like each other. If you don't have that, you can never experience the body of Christ. You'll experience a certain kind of clubbiness, a certain kind of community that's that comes because we like each other or we can get along with one another or we have the same purpose and all that. But not to the extent that it becomes joined supernaturally to such an extent that we are part of one another. I've been in churches in in which... We can have such a deep relationship that during, the, du, du, during intercession and, and, and during times of, you know, uh, just random times, different people will get impressions, get burdens for each other to such an extent that when they meet each other, God will, God will share with one what another person is going through to pray for. I find that in this body as well, I find if I'm praying for different ones of you, I will be able to text you or, or, or call you and say, I had this burden, I had this word for you. It's not because I like you. I'm sure I do. I can't think of anybody in BCF that I don't like. But it's because of the fact that we are joined together supernaturally in such a way that it transcends our own affinity for one another. Does that make sense? To be a member of, a, of the body of Christ, it doesn't mean just that you have signed on the dotted line or became a covenanter and all that, but something took place, something prior to all that. And that is that when Christ died, in His death, He destroyed every partition, every kind of Gentile, Jew, slave, free, every category to such an extent that all these categories have to be relativized. It's not that they don't exist. They are relativized. They don't become absolute any longer. Amen? No? That means that in order for us to understand deeply the, our identity as members of the body of Christ, you have to know one thing. When you pass through the gate, okay, when you pass through the cross, the person who came before the cross and the person who came after the cross is a completely different person. And that is why as Christians, we are called to be people who love one another with a pure heart, fervently, not based upon what we like of one another, but because of something that Christ has done. I understand that because of that, when I, have, and I, when, I, when I come into Christ, I come into the church, all that is me, all that is Malaysian, all that is my own particular preferences, are left at the door. They're left at the door so that I can become all things to all men or all things to all people in order for that to happen. And therefore, because of that, I give up. I give up my own natural affinities. You know, I'm Malaysian. I'm Chinese. I have many, many particulars. But the Lord has not given me the, 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 the luxury of being with the like, like people. I find very few Malaysians around here. Even less Malaysian restaurants. I've had to leave that behind. I have particular particular preferences. But I have to leave that behind because of the fact that pe- what Christ has done is that He has demolished anything that, that causes that to be my meaning in life. Amen? This is something that God, God does in Ephesians chapter, chapter 2, verse 15. Abolishing in His flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments, Contained in the ordinances, so that in himself he make, may may. Thing that through the cross something takes place. Something takes place through the cross when we enter through through these these doors at the back, and we enter in to worship together and to be a body of Christ together. Something happens through the cross. Um, I want to I share with you something that, um, that uh, I, I heard last week when I was in Michigan. And it's found in Galatians chapter 6. Paul says in, in the, the end of Galatians, he says, But may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither is circumcision anything nor uncircumcision but a new creation. What Paul is basically saying is this. He's not saying that you now have no race or you have no particularities. You have no uh, things that are unique to you. What he's saying is basically that, that there is... These are not a thing anymore. For neither is, is circumcision anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. You are a new creation. The only way in which I, as a, as a Christian, can enter into the body of Christ is as a new creation. Yeah? But one, one, one thing he says that, uh, uh, Paul says that I feel is very important. He says, um, It may never be, but may never be that I would boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world through the cross, the world was crucified to me, but I also was crucified to the world. What does it mean? It means that when, when, when he says the, crucif- the world was crucified to me, he's saying that everything of the world, everything of my place in the world, everything of the flesh in the world was crucified. It was brought to an end. Okay? So that I don't try to impress the world. I don't try to... To, to, to be a Christian because uh, and, 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 and try to have a reputation in the world. You know how we like to, to look good in the world's eyes as well. I mean, we have to have a good testimony, it's very important for us to have a good testimony, isn't it? I mean, I, I, I wanted to have a good testimony in my studies so that in the eyes of the world, I'm, I, I'm, I represent Christ well. But there's something that Paul is saying. I should not boast in that. What he's saying is this. Our glory, our identity doesn't lie in that good testimony. A good testimony is relatively good. But the thing about it is that God has called us to be crucified to the world. Does that make sense? But He also says the world is crucified to me too. What does that mean? It means that when the world looks at me, it will say, you look like crap. When the world looks at me, He doesn't doesn't necessarily say, "You you, you have a really nice life. Sometimes they will. But that's not what I rely on. The world says to me, "You look like crap. You are doing really well." And Paul was doing such such a good, such, so well. He was the whisket of Hebrew Hebrew society. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was he he outshone all the other students. He was a, 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 a disciple of Gamaliel. He was the number one. He was the, the the rising star. He was the gold medalist. He was the Caleb Dresel of uh, of uh, of. Uh, of uh, Hebrew, Hebrew times and yet at the same time he counted it but dung in order for the gloat, for him to be found in him having a righteousness not of his own but of Christ to become a Christian you may look like crap to the world you're going to make choices that the world says that was a stupid choice I remember when I was, uh, after I finished my first degree and I'd done quite well, there were about five of us who were sort of students all together and, and we were going to do our, our, our graduate studies. And uh, we would push each other and, and uh, others in the, in the faculty would talk about us as if we were, you know, having, having a good, good hopes and all that. And then the Lord called me into full-time ministry when he called me into full-time ministry, he called me into a church that was actually considered kind of iffy. Kind of iffy. And there were five of us there. Two of them were Christians. And the others were non-Christians. And all of them thought, what a waste. What happened to you? Why did you, how did you get that into your head that you're going to give up everything and become a full-time pastor? And how much do you, do you, do you earn? I said, well, I'm living by faith, <laughs> which meant no salary. And I looked like crap to them. I looked like crap to them. Five years later, they came back and they met together. And I was, I was the only one who was not there. They had already got their PhDs and all that. And he says, do you remember, Michael? And one of them told me about this conversation. He says, well, you know, he's probably the happiest of all of us. You may look like crap to, to, to people in the world, but I just want to say this. There are times in which the social, cultural, doing wellness that we use so much to mark our own life has to be given up. Has to be given up. If not, what happens is this we will boast in these things and we will have hope in these things. And I remember that it's in this in this situation. I found that the cross became very, very important to me. Now, what happened is that I joined this church, and it was almost as if I had to give up everything—everything, everything, my reputation and my my all, all all the perks that I I had lived with. Um, no more living in a house in which there are two maids to serve me. Just living, and I was the one who was actually serving everybody, serving the pastor, serving all the rest, sweeping, waking up at 4, four o'clock, cooking breakfast for everybody. Yeah, I did cook for breakfast for them, for a household of 20 people. You know, I, I, my, my duties is basically, I thought I was going full-time, full-time ministry so that I can do such spiritual work. I did none. I just did sweeping, collecting manure, cooking breakfast at 4 o'clock in the morning, doing all the other stuff, No spiritual work. Just doing, serving, 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 serving. (laughs) And I found that the cross was grinding me. It was grinding me. So much so that when I looked through the cross at the world, the world had nothing that was attractive to me. And when the world looked through the cross, through the grinding lens of the cross, they saw that, There was nothing in me that was attractive either. But that church became the place in which I grew. Suddenly, the anointing of God. I I didn't do anything different, but the anointing of God came upon my life. I'd done ministry before, but something happened when death took place. And the cross is like a lens. It's like a lens through which people look through to see us, and we look through the cross at everything else in the church, outside. They say that when they make glasses, it's through the grinding of lenses that the glasses are made to f- such precision. And this grinding happens when they take two um, sheets of glass and they point, put it together, and they grind them together until the sheets of glass. Are unrecognizable. They are brought down to the lowest, the smallest um, uh, uh, element of it, and then they are heated up until very, very high temperature. And through all this, all through this grinding, its grinding is a sort of a technical term for making uh, lenses. And through this grinding, water is poured every time it gets too hot. Water is poured, and when after it's heated. It's molded. And when it's molded, it's cooled down again. So through this grinding process, the two sheets of, 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 uh, of glass are actually joined together. And they're made moldable, and they're made exactly to the specifications through which people can actually look and, and, and look through the lens. I feel that church is like that. The church has to start with the cross. And through the cross, God actually causes us to be relating to one another on the basis of new, one new person. One new person. You ready for it? There's a grinding that takes place. Now, I realize that the grinding is not something I like. I have patterns in my life that make me not want to grind. But I found that in my early days in, in that church, I had always these problems that I was having with these people because these people were not the, my kind of people. They were very uncomfortable to live with. Um, they did not like people who went to university. They just despised people who went to university. They considered people who went to university softies and, uh, and privileged people and all that. And so every day, they would criticize me for being a university student. And they gave extra criticism for the fact that I graduated in English. Because they always thought that people who are English graduates have crazy minds. Twisted minds. I suppose I did, to some extent. But I realized that during this period, every day I would have rubbings with people. Rubbings with people. And one day I I talked to my pastor, and my pastor said, you know, Michael, do you know when they built the temple and they built the walls of Jerusalem, but especially the temple, they made the temp- they, they, they did it by taking rocks from this quarry, and the rocks would be rubbed against one another until there were sparks until they became very smooth. The temple does not have any nails, no screws, no 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 connectors. they were just made by brick after brick, just being rubbed against each other until they become solid. And I realized immediately that I had a a pattern in my life. My pattern was this, if I have a problem with somebody, I will try to not have any conflict, but then I would distance myself from them. I would distance myself from them. And people will begin to wonder, why is it he's distancing himself with from us, it seems to be fine. But he's distancing himself. And I realized, I was not wanting the grinding. But grinding would find me all the time. No matter how much I tried not to offend someone, grinding would follow after me. It would chase after me. It would make me the object of their interest. And I would find myself doing that. Before long... I began to speak in the same broken English that my church members spoke. Because all of them spoke English as a second, uh, second language. And I found it so difficult to, 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 to communicate with them. But they would communicate with me in this certain broken English. I found myself talking like them. Now, I began to realize that the grinding, what I was doing was it was making me communicate to them because they could understand broken English better than proper English. At the end of the day, after a few years, one thing I found was that the ones that I had experienced the most miracles with were the people who were most unlike myself. I remember I was. there was this girl who was younger than me, much younger than me, very cocky, didn't like university students, criticized me. Every day, I wake up, I'll be sweeping, and she would criticize my sweeping. But she's the one who took me out to go and minister to very impossible cases in the hospital. She's the one who took me out to minister to this boy, Stephen, who had this, who was so paralyzed and his, his limbs were so 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 curled up and uh, who was living in one of the squatter areas. And she's the one who said, Michael, I think you and I better go and pray for him. And so we went and prayed. And when we prayed for him, he, he would pull he, he would himself, he would be squatting and he would pull himself To us, and we would pray for him and pray for him. And she would say, Pray for him every day, pray for him. None of the people who were like me prayed like that. This girl was 16 years old. I was like 23 or 22. And I found that she was the one who God used in my life more than any one of those who were from my, my, that I had brought to the church from my university. And the day came one day. When after weeks and weeks of praying with her in the squatters, just going there, just praying every, every week for this boy, we saw Stephen walk. We saw him stand up, walk, and begin to walk just like that. Shifting, shifting, shifting. We carried on praying. We kept on, kept on praying. kept on. A few months later, we could find that he was walking like this. And his hands, we would keep on straightening it straightening it, and it will go down again. We'll straighten it, and it will go down again. And I would think, what's the use of doing this? It will just go down again. And this girl, whose name was Meng Sui, Meng Sui said, keep doing it. Do it in faith. Don't just do it just just because you're just doing an action. Do it in faith. Every time you push the hand up, do it in faith. And she got impatient with me. I felt like a stupid idiot with her. She thought, I mean, she was 16, 17 years old. By, By that time, I think she was 17. She, she, I could see her mind thinking, "You graduates, you university graduates, you don't know anything." I just took it because God was grinding me, and I knew that God had appointed her to be my mentor. For every other reason, I would despise her, but because of the fact that God had appointed her as my mentor, she could never—you could not find a person who's further. Indifference than me, than her. I did it, okay, and I did it. In a few months, Stephen's hands were like this. Just like that. I've gone back to Malaysia and I've seen him. He's married, he has children, and he walks completely normal. I'm so glad for Meng Sui, 16 year old, 16 years old, doesn't speak English very well. There's another guy. Who was a medium? He's a, he's a. Do you know what a medium is? A medium is is, a, 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 a for, is sometimes they're fortune tellers. Sometimes whatever they do, things they actually have spirits in them, and these spirits help them to be able to tell you supernatural things. So this this medium was able to get in touch with spirits and all that. Short guy, but a very fierce gangster. And he came into the church. Doesn't speak English. Didn't. Even now, he hardly speaks English. He came in. And when I spoke to him, I tried to speak to him. He just brushed me off. Just brushed me off. He had no time for for me because he could size people up, see. He knew that I came from a very soft background. He had no time for such people. And the Lord said to me, you go and mentor him. You go and mentor him. I said to the Lord, you know, he doesn't even he despises me. He thinks I'm just like a I'm coming from a, 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 a family of privilege. He can hardly speak English. And I so saw I kept with him. Kept with him. Every day when I met with him, he would he would he was he was in the in our our ministry house for a little while. Every time when, I, when, I, when I, I, I tried to spend time with him, he would just blow me off, just blow me off, just blow me off. One day I saw that he was feeling very disturbed, very disturbed. So I went to him. I said, Guan, what's happening to you? I tried to speak it in Cantonese. And he couldn't speak. I said, can I pray for you? I laid my hands upon him. Immediately, he manifested. All his kung fu moves started happening. He started jumping up and down like that. Jumping up and down. Like four or five feet, just jumping up and down. Tried to punch me. Tried to punch me in the, in the, in the face. Tried to punch me. But every time his, 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 his fist would come, it would just fall short. It would just fall short. Just fall short. And I started praying in the Spirit. And as I started praying in the Spirit, Guan's started growling, started growling. And as I prayed in the Spirit, his growl began to be a whimper. And then he began to cough. And as he was coughing, I knew spirits were coming out. As, as he began to cough, Guan said, keep praying, keep praying. I didn't know what was going on. So I started praying. I didn't know what was going on. I just kept praying in the Spirit, just praying in the Spirit, not knowing what, whether there was, that was doing anything. And later on, when all the spirits were, 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 were cast out of him, he said, Michael, when you were praying in the spirit, I could interpret what you were saying. The Lord was speaking to me through, through, through your praying in tongues. And I, and I said, what was I saying? <laughs> he said, the Lord was saying, remember this incident that you had where you called in this Thai spirit that came from some very powerful medium. And then you came to the other, And one by one, God was telling me what to renounce. What to renounce. And it went on for about six, six, seven times and all that. And He told me, when you were praying in the Spirit, when you did not know what to do, and truly at that time, I was just not knowing what to do. I was just trying to defend myself from all these kicks and all that. I was just praying in the Spirit. You know how sometimes when you don't know what to do, you just... He said, at that moment, God was showing me things. He was delivered. After that, you know what he did? He started taking me. I said, Guan, why are you, why are you taking me? He says, you got power. <laughs> I said, you know, all of us have because of Christ. And he would take me to see his medium friends. And one by one, mediums would come to the Lord. One by one, they would be, they would be delivered. Isn't that amazing? They were nothing like me. They were nothing like me. There was nothing like me. And they would say also with a, a, a tinge of, of, of despising, you are nothing like me either. One time I was I was in uh, planting a church, and uh, a whole group of 85-year-old, 80-year-old women, Chinese speaking, none speak one word of English started coming, started with one woman, she, we call her Chan Ji Mui. She was, uh, her, her name is uh, Miss uh, Sister Chan. Ji Mui means sister. Sister Chan, Chan Ji Mui. Sister. I could not speak to her. I did not know how to speak to her. The, I left it to the Chinese speaking ones in my church to just carry on. So I would say, carry on, minister to them. And there's a group of people started coming in. 85, 86, 80, 82. And before long, we had like one row of senior citizens. Never speak, speak English. But they were very full of enthusiasm for the Lord. Full of enthusiasm for the Lord. I buried every single one of them. But by the time I buried each one of them, we were good friends. They brought many people to the Lord. And I, one of my most privileged times is when I brought them brought their friends to the Lord when they brought them and they would be friends that they had known for donkey's years and we would pray for them and we'd pray for them and they would translate for me because by that, na- that time they, was, they knew a little bit of English and they would speak in, a, in Mandarin to them. These are some of the most precious times. The best thing though is that in every one of the the funerals I did not conduct that funeral. A friend of mine an Indian guy and Rajiv will know, will know him, uh, Malcolm, Indian, total Indian, but spoke Cantonese. But the Cantonese that he spoke was the street kind, very crude. He would conduct, and you would have in the, in, the, in the funeral parlor crowds of people, all non-Christians, full of incense and all that kind of stuff, but these people, because the funeral parlor would have all these, you know, Buddhist, Taoist kind of, Kind of uh, um, implements and 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 and, um, and and stuff, incense and all that. And he would preach a storm. He would preach, an Indian preaching in Cantonese, preaching a storm, and everybody would be on the floor laughing because of the the, the wit with which he was speaking. Just very 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 edgy kind of 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 of, uh, of, of language. And we would do this fu- these funerals. Before long, we would do funeral after funeral, and people would come to the Lord. People would come to the Lord. We had a small revival taking place because of my friend Malcolm, who was different. He was different. The church does not distinguish itself because it is good to people of their own kind. The church distinguishes itself because it loves one another, even though the barriers of unlike kind are prohibitive. Amen? And that is why in James it says, if you have preference for one another, if you show impartiality, you are not living the law of God. And so one more I want to challenge you as a church even now, is to be a, a supernatural community. Supernatural community. There are many people in our church who are not your affinity group. Get to know them. Amen? They may be God's appointed blessing for you. There are um, perhaps people in the church that you've never prayed with. But if you pray with them, you will be surprised. Daily prayer is one of those times in which we get to know one another in a very, very much deeper way. Supernatural. That is the power of God in the church. The church does not distinguish itself by its natural affinities and natural friendships, but by proving itself to be a company of people who love one another. Amen? I want to invite you just for, just for one application of this message. Before we close, close in prayer, it's time for us to close. to just bow your heads in prayer with me? Before we close. And I'm going to pray a prayer that the Lord will begin to lead us by His Spirit to one another who are not our natural Affinities. Not the people that we would naturally hang out with. For the church to survive in the days to come, we will need all generations. Our children, the ones that have just been born, including the one that has just been born yesterday, are going to need each one of us. There may be some in our church who feel they will never be interested in me. I'm too old. Or I'm too young. Or I'm too inexperienced. Or I'm not educated enough. Or I'm too educated Christ has broken down every wall and broken down the dividing wall that separates us so much so that we don't just integrate, we become a new person. I want to invite you to, inv- to accept your new identity in Christ. there's neither Greek nor Jew. Long ago, I felt the Lord called me to be all things to all people. I never ceased to be a Malaysian, but I leave that behind. So that I give no preference in my relationships with those to those who are of my kind or of my like or my own affinity but i open myself to those who are perhaps not like me we can only do this by the power of god when we let go of our own individuality our individualism perhaps is better word even our own sense of uniqueness. The church is called. And the church says, you want to come? To every individual. Lord, we welcome you. We welcome you, Lord. To break us out of our own uh, preferences or perhaps our own comfort comfort zones. Direct us, we pray. Direct us to your body, brothers and sisters who you love. Reveal your love for them. Take us beyond break our partialities make the church a more exciting place make it more exciting than we have experienced now Lord I want to predict that many people will meet key ones a brick that's supposed to be next to you that's not who you thought it was he or she was Bless your name, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Break every barrier down. Even if it means grinding us together to be your body, that people can see clearly through the lens of the church, through the lens of the cross, your love for us, love for them. In Jesus' name, break down every barrier. I want to invite you to in the last few seconds, just lift up any place, a hard place, a place that makes you want to withdraw, makes you want to feel that this place is not for you. Just give it up to the Lord. Surrender it to the Lord. And make a commitment. I will follow you, Lord. My social relations in the church will be directed by you deliver me Lord, from my own preferences deliver me from my the line of least resistance for me make me truly love the brethren in Jesus name amen